Hello, welcome along to season two of Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here. Welcome back. Thanks for uh, joining me again for this second season. I hope you had a really good summer. Um, yeah, I took a few weeks off, school, summer holidays, all that good stuff. But it's October, we're back, and we've got more great guests for season two. Um, if this is your first time joining me, Man in the Mirror is a podcast where I talk to a man or men each week and talk to them about their life, work, and about the contents of their bathroom cabinets, those key items, the things that they can't do without. And hopefully that gives me and hopefully you uh, some tips on some 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 products that maybe we should be looking out for or some things that we can build into our skincare and grooming routines. Um, in this first episode, I'm talking to Sam Gearing and Josh Carter, who are the co-founders of a brand called Fuel, which is um, billed as the world's first online perfumery. Um, they'll tell us a bit more about how it all works, but it's a, it's a really great intuitive platform where you don't really need to have any kind of perfume knowledge and it will help you select um, six fragrances that are, aren't, you don't get their name, you just get the letters of the alphabet and then it helps you choose your favourite. But they'll explain it far better than I can. So without further ado, uh, season two, episode one, Sam Gearing and Josh Carter of Feel. Here we go. It's the autumn, it's a new season of Man in the Mirror. And this week I'm joined by Sam Gearing and Josh Carter from the company Feel. Hi guys. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, hello, how are you? We're good, thank you. Very, very well. Excited to be here. How are you? I'm, I'm really good Th and thank you for doing it. And this is the, the first time on Man in the Mirror. We've, we've just started season two and this is the first time to have two guests. So it's um, exciting to have double the fun here on um, <laughs> Mad in the Mirror. So, you know, we'll, de we'll definitely get time to find out from both of you about your your favourite kind of bathroom essentials. But first we of both, all... We both have a habit of talking too much, so as, as promptly <laughs> as I interrupted you. So, there you go. <laughs> so hopefully we don't ruin your first... Well, hopefully we're not your last double guest yeah. situation. You won't be. You won't be. It's, it's all good. <laughs> and, um, no, I just wanted to find out, first of all, just about how both of you, um, and starting with you, Sam, how your your love of perfume and, and, and this whole kind of scented world, where did it come from? Is it right from childhood? I don't really know. I've got quite a good pinpoint, though, of when I started getting into, uh, you know, independent fragrance or, or perfumery beyond the high streets, which was I had a, a very fancy friend when I was about 14 or 15, and she got me the Penhaligon Scent Library. And up until then, you know, if you had a fragrance at all, it was something you'd nick from your dad or from your mom or something like that. But when I discovered this, I realized there was a world beyond um, the everyday and I got really excited by it. Uh, so much so that when I first started, uh, first moved to London, I remember I, I applied for jobs at, at some of the Penhaligon stores um, because I just fell in love with it so much. And that's sort of where where my love began and it sort of spiraled out of control from there, really. <laughs> did you end up working at Penhaligon? No, they, I, I, will, I shouldn't really say this. Did they not want they, you, No, Sam? they did offer me a couple of jobs um, <laughs> and I was counter-offered yeah. each time. So, um, yeah, probably probably cut that bit out. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I was offered, but I, I ended up working uh, with some other people. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> 
And and Josh, how about you? Where did your love of of fragrance stem from? Mine was completely by accident. I was a, a musician originally, and in throughout my the whole of my my twenties, I was uh, I was doing a lot of touring, and I needed a part time job in between it. And I completely randomly stumbled on. Uh, I met I met a guy through a friend. Um, and ended up with a job at um, a company called Aluminum, who uh, were famous for making uh, a fragrance called White Gardenia Petals that was all the rage at one point. Um, and I just ended up in it randomly. And it was the first kind of means to an end job I'd ever done that I actually really enjoyed. And there, there were loads of kind of creative artistic parallels to what I was doing outside of it. And, you know, my first love. And just as time time went on one thing led to another and the more I did it the more I loved it and here I am now here you are and and I guess it'd be great to find out how you two met and presume it's through through perfumery yeah it was it was it was it's pretty boring story really we were just working (laughs) on (laughs) we were just working in Fordham and Mason both of us I was working for uh, Roger Dove at the time and Sam was Sam was working for uh, Parfum Mikalef and we were just, yeah, we were just on the shop floor together and we just became very good friends working alongside each other. And Fortnum's is a very different environment where everybody kind of helps each other out and we, everybody's very collaborative in the way that they work. So, yeah. And, and when did you start working together? So I think we... So in, in terms of the company. So, so actually Fortnum's was, uh, was who counter-offered, seeing as we've come full circle now. <laughs> um, and so that's why I ended up at Fortnum's. But then I started working for Mickleff and uh, also after that for Grossmith, the amazing British house. In about, I think it would have been 2014, 2015, maybe mm. early 2015. Um, I think I already knew of Josh's existence because I'd done sort of management jobs for Fortnum's. I don't know if you knew about me, but I knew about, you know, where people were in the store. And then uh, in 2015, we actually started working next to each other, selling product um, and meeting uh, customers. So it was about 2015, yeah. yeah. So quite we, a while now. We were originally talking about going into business together to create a candle company. We were actually speak, oh, we were okay. speaking to a handful of manufacturers and we, we actually had some stockists kind of agreed to buy stock in principle, which was crazy and quite exciting. But then once we did a bit of number crunching, we realized that it was going to be trickier than we perhaps <laughs> liked. So we aban- yeah. abandoned it for a little while and went our own ways. And it wasn't until... Uh, Sam started an, an agency just before the pandemic um, on his own that eventually um, I came and joined joined up to um, help with the growth of the company. And then when the pandemic happened, that sprung the Fiol idea. Sam, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about um, Fiol and, and exactly what it is for people who aren't aware of it. 100%. So Fiol is an online fragrance platform for independent fragrance houses um, that also helps people who may be uh, disillusioned by fragrance or unsure what they want, discover a new fragrance through our Feel Fragrance Finder, which I'll let Josh explain in a second, and our Feel Boxes, um, whether that be for a, an, a special occasion or for a new signature scent, it really helps people find something unique and good and perfect for them, really. Amazing. And yeah, it'd be great, um, Josh, if you, if you can explain, because actually I, I should say at this point that I... I met Sam and Josh in in Fortland Masons, but it, I guess it was the the early days of you, of you thinking about feel, and I got to um, experience the, I suppose, the, the, an early form of your sort of perfume finder technology, which was amazing. And it's it's much more about sort of not it, it's sort of blind sampling, isn't it, Josh? It's sort of less about 
knowing about brands and, and names and, and stripping all of that away and, and sort of, yeah, the kind of intuitive way of, of finding out about fragrance. Would you like to tell us yeah, a bit more about sure. that? Yeah, that's exactly right. When we were working for um, other fragrance houses, one of the things that you do when you're working for you know, very wonderful artistic houses is you learn absolutely everything that you can about everything there is to know about fragrance. And after a while of of dealing with clients one-on-one, you realize that a lot of that knowledge is, I don't want to say wasted, but sem- semi-useless for, from a customer point of view. Because if you're just looking for a, a really lovely fragrance to wear out or to wear in the day-to-day, you know, you most people aren't interested in the nuts, of bol- nuts and bolts of it. And the fragrance industry has this has a habit of overcomplicating things in in our experience. So wh- when we uh, when we created Feel, we wanted to essentially re- recreate a kind of luxury personal shopping experience, um, but that is easy for anybody to use. So we completely remove subjectivity. It removes any jargon or anything that could be remotely confusing. Um, and when you receive your a personalized sample set, we, we call them, um, it comes with six different fragrances from a variety of brands um, that match your preferences. So you set your preferences and then you receive recommendations in the post. Uh, and then when you receive your box, they're unmarked. And that is so that you can allow your nose to do the talking for you, essentially. We teach you a very simple method. It's really easy, simple method to go through all of them and decide which one is your favorite. And then once you've decided on your favorite, you can open what we call a reveal booklet, which is a little sealed envelope inside your box. And that reveals to you the, the your favorite fragrance. So we're, we're the only platform that I'm aware of that can get you from completely knowing nothing all the way to your absolute number one favorite fragrance in a very short period of time <laughs> and without you knowing anything about it until you find it. And it's such a great way, isn't it? Because like you say, I think often... You know, it's quite easy to get carried away in, and say the, the the jargon and the and the terminology of, of fragrance, but it, it's sort of easy to forget how how off putting some of that stuff can be. And we, you know, we'll talk to our mates about you know what's perfume or skincare, or whatever. And, and 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 actually, there's a it feels like sometimes people are, are missing out on the the joy of it because it can feel quite. Um, an alien world and, and people don't necessarily want to venture into some, you know, the big department stores or, you know, some of the expensive boutiques and, and just go and sample. So this feels like a really kind of a democratic way of people doing that and very intuitive. And like you say, you end up... I think up- every, everything holds its own level of, of subjectivity, you know. So if we gave, if we show a, a guy a scent and, and show him a bottle that's bright pink and say, this is called Pretty Princess... He's going to probably, in in today's society, immediately associate that with a feminine scent. But the the subjectivity that he holds in his subconscious about the scent inside that bottle is completely different. So if you just give him the scent, you know, not I'm not saying we're trying to get guys to buy Pretty Princess. Pretty perfume, Princess, but sounds like a winner. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It, it completely changes your opinion of it, and that goes all the way through to from colour and names and design, but also through to ingredients. A lot of people prejudge fragrances based on ingredients. I can't tell you the number of people that I've spoken to who have said, oh, don't show me anything with rose. Don't show me anything sweet. And in the end, they leave with something sweet and packed full of rose because actually they're judging that fragrance on some completely different element of subjectivity. 
yeah, that might be kind of arbitrary. Just to add to what you were saying also, Hayden, about helping people who maybe have no experience with fragrance before discover something they love. What's been great is we've definitely been able to do that. But with people who know a lot about fragrance, like yourself, we've also been able to sort of accurately match your tastes depending on mood or moment. Um, and I think people have been pleasantly surprised at how accurate the system is. And on top of that, with with what you were saying about sort of department stores or perfumeries for independent fragrance can often be daunting, scary places. So we've sort of been able to provide access to independent perfumery and these wonderful brands that maybe some people didn't have because they were not comfortable going into these settings. Um, and also we've been able to provide access to them for people who don't have access to them. Maybe they don't live near, a, you know, near enough to London or something. So it's been super interesting to see uh, our customers sort of develop all over the UK. I mean, in particular, like in Scotland, we've seen in some of the sort of far reaches of Scotland, people ordering from us because they want those fragrances and they want to try them first, um, but they haven't really had access to them without having to go into a big city or something. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, none of us are immune to the sort of prejudging and, and you know, the, the, the idea that, oh, you know, I don't like this brand or I don't like this note or whatever it is. And yeah, it's um, it's so great to do that sort of blind testing thing and, and actually challenge yourself. Because you say that, you know, a lot of ingredients are in, you know, there's infinite ways that they can be blended and mixed. And you, yeah, you might say, oh, I don't like rose at all, but then find it it works perfectly in harmony with something else. And, and suddenly there's a, a fragrance you love. So it's, it's, um, it's a brilliant, it's, it, it seems like a brilliant technique. And I'll add in the show notes, you know, uh, the website and, and more details where people can find out about the feel experience. I'm sure we'll come back to it, guys. But um, I also want to find out on Man in the Mirror just a bit more about your you know, beyond fragrance, I suppose, in your sort of skincare and grooming regimes. And it's it's always a, it's a great opportunity to find out about some key items and some key products that, that, that really work for you and the sort of hero products in your, on your sort of bathroom shelf. Um, Sam, are, are there certain things for you in terms of skincare and, and grooming that, that you always like to have? Are there sort of key products that you would always take away in a toilet bag or something like that? Yeah, 100%. So I... I've dabbled with lots of different uh, sort of products for skincare, etc. I'm now pretty stuck on the ordinary. You set on a regime, yeah. on a routine. Are you? Yeah. Do you know the ordinary? I mean, I think everyone knows it at the moment. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah, it's slightly yeah. life changing, um, and they it, it's such good value, and the products do just what just what I want, sort of thing. So I use some hydrating serums, some exfoliating serums and then the usual moisturizer and vitamin C. Um, and then also always an SPF. Good. Um, I, I had my first hydrofacial. Oh, did you? Recently, which was life-changing as well. Um, not ordinary Tell me prices about that. though. What, what happens with that? <laughs> so instead of uh, the usual form of facial, it's, it's done with water jets basically. Um, and it's super hydrating. Um, wow. And yeah, I've definitely felt the biggest change after a facial I've ever had. I felt like I was glowing for for weeks, and on top of that, um, they they removed a lot of you know block pores and so on, um, and they also told me about the SPF. So I don't know what brand it is I use now. Sorry, um, but I'm always applying an SPF at the end. And one other thing I want to add is just that I used to have a really good aftershave balm from Dermalogica, and they discontinued it. Um, and I've started because I I just used electric an electric razor. 
I've recently, well, not recently, last couple of years, I've been using just the Nivea one I can get in boots. It's like a post-shave balm. It's not expensive. And that that I swear by as well, because I have quite sort of reactive skin when I shave. Yeah. And it cools it down like straight away. So that's that's a winner for me. And do you shave, do you electric shave every day, Sam? Pretty much. Sometimes I'll skip a day. I mean, you can't see me now. I skipped a day today because <laughs> I knew this was audio. Um, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise it would be every day, yeah. And do you find that you're, you know, this routine that you've got into, do you find it quite easy to, to sort of build it into your morning and evening? Is it not a big trial? Are you quite sort of good with it? I Yeah, I love routine. So I think it sort of fits with me quite well. I need routine and um, regularity. So I maybe I'm almost not the best person to ask if I find it easy or not, because I do find it easy because you could give me 12 steps before I go to bed and I would quite enjoy having to do them. So, <laughs> do um, but it is, it is easy. It takes two minutes. You know, after you brush your teeth, I just, I just pop that on. It's very quick. Yeah. No, you're right though. I think that, you know, it's not often talked about enough how that actually, you know, building those kind of routines in, far from being kind of a pain sometimes you know you can definitely find some some comfort and and it's you know quite good for your mental health to sort of have to make you feel better for a start but just have these regular routines at the start or the end of the day to, to either kind of get you going or, or just calm you down i think there's a lot to be said for it isn't there 100 percent. it's better than being on your phone or something isn't it than yeah. before you go to bed so you know even if it takes yeah. 10 minutes it's it's a good wind down so if, if Sam's brand is is the ordinary, Josh, how, how about you? Is, have you got a certain brand that you go to or do you, do you like to sort of pick and choose from a variety? Uh, I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty simple. I don't really have a, maybe a, I will after this, after this podcast, but I don't really have a... SPF? Yeah, Josh, no, have I don't SPF. have a, a complex setup. I'm quite lucky in that I shave every day um, and I don't have particularly reactive skin. So I just morning and night will wash my face and use moisturizer but i am if this was desert island discs my luxury item would be my shaving kit so i am big on my shaving in the sense that tell me about that are you a wet shaver or electric like sam what do you do both so i have a not i wouldn't say a beard but a stubbly face so i would Mm. electric shave it down and then i'm i've got a trumper sandalwood soap which i love and a, a classic looking it's quite modern but actually but it looks classic kind of shaving kit that my wife got me um and I'm quite like meticulous with that (laughs) and that again that's a similar thing like I quite enjoy the routine of that and I don't ever I don't ever really feel made up um in the day unless I'm uh you know like shaved up neatly and wearing a fragrance that's kind of my like that's my routine but it's interesting that you you would if if I'm Got this right. You'd electric shave every day, but the, but kind of finish off with a with a wet with a wet shave. Is that uh, right? I would I would electric shave probably or every a blade. Yeah, a blade. So I I would I would uh, electric shave once every few days, and I would always kind of like neaten the edges with a blade every day. And we should we should talk about fragrance then. So <laughs> obviously, it's such a big part of, of both of your lives. Um, Josh, what what have you gone for today? What what did you choose this morning? Today I'm wearing, even though it's getting colder, I'm still in, in my summer zone. So I'm wearing called Vervain Diete, which is from a French brand that we've literally just launched called Le Jardin Retrouvé. Ah, yes. Um, that is so, so nice. It's very like simple and unassuming, but we both fell in love with it instantly. It's all vegan and cruelty-free and made with sustainable materials and 
it's just exceptional. I, I love them. My, again, my, my tastes with fragrance, even though I work in it, are actually quite simple. I, I just like a lot of very fresh, clean, crowd-pleasy style perfumes. Um, yeah. And, and that is just, yeah, that one has sun to me. So I've worn that all summer and I'm still wearing it today. And I, I remember meeting them at your event in the summer and it's such a, it was a new brand to me, but it's so beautiful, the... Well, the, the the passion that they have, but it's such, it's such a such an interesting range, isn't it? I think there was their candles and other other products as well. It's beautiful. They're very the, the two of them, Clara and Michelle, that that own it. They are infectious the way they talk about it, and you can really you spend two minutes with them, and you can really feel the kind of passion and drive that goes into it. And there's so much detail that goes into everything to do with their products and. But at the same time, the fragrances are just really easy to get on with. All of them, from the fresh stuff that I like, all the way through to the very rich, kind of darker fragrances that they have. They're just easygoing and very easy, very like lovable. Yeah, sort of unpretentious. Yeah, perfume, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Sam, how about you? What, what are you wearing today? So I feel a bit naughty because I'm also wearing a Le Jardin Retrouvé. Um, <laughs> ah. You know, when it's new, we get excited. We do change it up. Um, I remember when we started Feel, my mum had a Feel box and she tried all six and she took about two weeks to decide on one. And the one that she thought she disliked the most, she ended up favouring after two weeks of wearing it. And that was one called Neroli Blanc by Opé de Fleur d'Oranger, which is a small little Grassoise brand. Um, Beautiful stuff. But she really didn't think she liked it at the beginning. Now she loves it. And I've had that exact same thing with... uh, uh, Jardin Retrouvé fragrance called Bois Tabac Virginia, which is not my usual style at all. I definitely appreciated how beautiful it was and how brilliant it was. But I have just gone absolutely nuts for it over the last week. Um, and it's sort of a rich tobacco with sandalwood and patchouli um, and reminiscent of like 1920s fragrance, but still super contemporary. And I think I'm also excited about the fact that it's getting colder. Um, Josh is still living in summer, sort of pretending, wishing, wishing that it's still a heat wave. He's there with his light breezy citruses. Exactly, <laughs> in, in his swimming trunks. And here am I, <laughs> sort of desperately waiting to be able to put a thicker jumper on um, because I have I hate the sort of in-between weather. So me with my roll neck on in 16 degrees and Boite back Virginia um, is the way I've been going and living for the last week. So yeah, it's a real winner. There's something about, you know, the, the season shifts and, and, you know, it's, being fragrance lovers as as we all are, just sort of that moment where you you feel like, I mean, not like it's a certain day, but you know when you start to access some some different more seasonal fragrances, you know now for for autumn, I love it, and just sort of rediscovering some some favourites that you haven't sprayed for you know a year or whatever, and and especially when autumn comes around and you kind of want to get a bit cosier and wear some of those more enveloping scents, it's um, yeah, it's a good time of year, I think. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I respect people however they want to wear fragrance, whether they want one for the whole year or if they have a special occasion one or, you know, all these sort of things. Yeah. But I could not live without changing at least by season because in the summer, I don't want something super rich and opulent. And in the winter, I don't want something fresh and crisp. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's as simple and black and white as that for me. So yeah, I really look forward to the change. I find it yeah, soothing. I'm the other way. I'm I'm fresh, fresh, fresh all year round. Uh, I don't. It, not always citrusy. I kind of get brighter and more citric in the summer. But yeah, uh, yeah freshness for. I just like to smell clean and ready for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. But in, even within the sort of fresher 
fragrances. There's there's still you know you, you'll you'll know thousands of them. There's plenty of, um, of fragrances that have have got a bit more depth and yeah, character absolutely. and and you know darkness going on underneath, isn't there? It doesn't doesn't mean they all have to be super kind of hundred percent or tobaccoy or yeah. You know, I mean, don't get us started easy. on Sydney Rockpool by Arkeest, but that's exactly oh, how we know. feel about that one. Yeah, it's exactly. Delicious. That's a really good one. And there's one I wear a lot called Crazy Hours, which is also super fresh, but it's also like you say. I don't want to waffle about fragrance too much, but it's just so like, it's got nuance, it's got character and yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? Finding one that, you know, sometimes those fresher fragrances, you know, can be dismissed as, you know, sort of, you know, to just disappear too quickly or just a bit um, ephemeral. But I think, yeah, if you can find one that, that's that got that character and, and that, that sort of really calls to you as well, I think that's, it's, a, it's a good thing and it sounds like that's what you've found there, Josh. Mm. I wanted to ask as well because you know, man in the mirror. We, for the for the most part, I guess we you know we're talking to men about their lives and 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 sort of products and things that work for them. Have you found in your time, you know, either working on the, the shop floor, as it were, or now with feel, have you have you seen a change in how men approach fragrance? Do you do you think it's? I mean, obviously, that you know, with some of the more niche brands, you know, it's 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 much more kind of unisex but have you have you seen have you seen a change in how how men are are kind of approaching perfume these days Uh, yeah i think that we're currently in the middle of a turnaround when um we first started working in fragrance most people most men that would come into the stores and brands that we worked with used to just assume that everything was for women yeah there was just there was a lot of that and when we when we actually started feel we re- we will rarely say the word perfume we'll always say the word fragrance mm. because there's still a kind of underlying assumption that perfume is for women and cologne is for men but now that's actually you can feel it starting to shift people are men are taking I don't know, paying a lot more attention to their own health, I guess, me- mental health as well, and their own well-being, and and using products and skincare re- regimes and all that kind of stuff plays a part, like we were saying. So there is definitely a, a shift. I think we've got a way to go yet, but there's definitely mm. been a shift. What I would also say to that is what I find fascinating about fragrance in general is I think if we're going to sort of be specific on on two genders, you know, in, in the middle, obviously anyone who doesn't identify with the gender, I think are going to be more open to expression. But um, people who sort of associate traditionally with being a man or a male, I find don't have necessarily confidence in wearing things like makeup or skincare or something. But yet they have always seemed to feel it was appropriate to wear, let's put it in inverted commas, aftershave or something. That was the sort of accessible beauty product for men. And I think they yeah, they, true. they really uh, would therefore take a lot of pride in it and time over choosing what they wore, etc. There was Josh talking about his shaving soap and things earlier. It was, uh, I would say maybe like 10 years ago, there was a real wave in that becoming a real thing because I think people were... Or, or men were so desperate to try and add to their beauty regime. And now we're at a point, as Josh said, where there's a long way to go, but we're definitely further along now where where people can feel more confident trying different things, wearing a bit of makeup. I mean, look at the brand Warpaint. Mm. It's, things yes. have definitely come on a long way. Obviously, we still have to genderize that makeup brand, i.e. Warpaint, and it has to be masculine. But yeah. if that's helping people get more confident, then great. 
I mean, that's a really, really good positive thing. And I think fragrance is just going to ride that wave really, really nicely. It's interesting for, on, on feel. This isn't the case for the actual, for the sample sets, but for full products, the majority of our, well, a higher percentage of our customers are male than they are female. Are they? Mm-hmm. And, and do you think that's, I mean, I guess we'll never know unless you do sort of, you know, in-depth questionnaires with your with your customers. But do you think some of that might be about what we were saying about the, the, the retail environment and sometimes being, not being necessarily very, you know, friendly for, for men or just feeling a bit intimidating? Do you think that might be something uh, to do with it? Yeah, I reckon there's, there's definitely something in that. Maybe not for everybody, but mm. there's just, you know, one of the perks that we didn't expect to come out of feel is, is exactly that. When you buy, when you find a fragrance through feels mechanism, you can do it in the comfort of your own home at your own time with no judgment. You just do it the way you want to do it. There's nobody watching you or judging you or, yeah. or anything like that. So it definitely feels like that's given nervous people. And I would, yeah. I would imagine men that are, you know, feel, maybe feel a bit embarrassed about enjoying some luxury items, beauty items for themselves. Yeah, I reckon that's given people a gateway. And I think there's even, you know, the whole idea of going, whether, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's boots or a department store or whatever, the, the whole idea of going up to a counter and, and sort of then asking the sales assistant, you know, to sort of work through some different fragrances or, or, or whatever it is i mean a it's time consuming b it requires you know quite a lot of confidence to go there and then you know to to take up the, that sales assistant's time and to say well no i like that one i don't like that one all of which i guess is is different with feel because like you said it's it's done at your leisure done at done at home um yeah i, it, I can totally see why i think it's, you know I totally see why everybody and particularly men would would appreciate that because we're not always, you know, for better or worse. I think, yeah, you don't don't always feel like those those stores are set up with men in mind, you know. And and you've got to be pretty sure of yourself to sort of stride up and sample ten different fragrances or skincare, or whatever it might be. Let alone find the advice or find the right section in the store. So, um, yeah, I can totally see why it works. There's something in like when we first launched, people were. I think there was a bit of a, a bit of doubt in the air that, that something that's essentially tech could lead you towards a product that is inherently artistic mm. and humanistic mm. in a way. But if you tell a fragrance finder or our fragrance finder, sorry, if you tell it, I want rich, leathery, woody, that is exactly what it will give you. You will never tell it one thing and it will give you something else. But in a store, you are also, and I don't mean to sound mean about this, but you are at the mercy of the sales assistant if you're not helping yourself. Yeah. So if if that sales assistant is tired or, you know, got something on their mind or they forget something or maybe they're just not very good, you know, they might not be able to help you in the way that you're hoping. And I know that that makes it sound like fragrance is, you know, makes it sound like overly complex. But one of the joys about, I think, about what we do or one of the joys I take from what we do is taking something that is inherently complex and making it feel very simple for a customer. And that's actually something, although it seems simple when you're doing it, it's something that comes from a hell of a lot of, of planning, you know, and and thought. And not everybody is giving that. Yeah. And both of your knowledge and expertise. 
Yeah, I, I, I think so, it's, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And I, and I think the other thing we often forget about those department stores and it's the sort of, you know, the, the sort of guilty secret is they're, they're often sort of a certain distributor will be, you know, on a certain counter. And so you really, if, if you're asking for advice, you're, you're not going to get the full range of fragrances offered to you. You're going to get the ones that are there, you know, commissioned or incentivized to tell you about or the ones that are, you know, within their knowledge base or, you know, on, on their counters. And, and that's not, that's not everything, is it? it, it you know, they're, they're going to offer you the ones that they're, they're trying to sell you. So. And also like, and you know, not to get too geeky about it, but there's subjectivity in that as well. If you come to speak to a person in a store and you ask for something amazing, they're going to show you what they think is yeah. amazing. And that's different to you. So, you know. Yeah. Another thing I like to try and find out from, from guests on, on Man in the Mirror is, you know, how you feel about um, your appearance as, as, as you look in the mirror. Um, I know both Josh and Sam and they're a bit younger than me, but, you know, are you, Sam, first of all, are you, are you at a stage where you're, you know, really comfortable with your appearance? Has that been a sort of an, an evolution or have you, have you always been that way? You know, how, how do you feel about the, the Sam that looks back at you in the mirror? I mean, are we are we ever completely happy with well, our appearance? Uh, maybe not. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> maybe if you're very vain, but I mean, I, I, you know, I, I look back at me. I don't know, eight years ago, and I wish I'd known. Um, but, but now, no, I've joined a cult um, called F45, so I'm exercising much more. So oh, I'm yes. feeling better about. I can eat what I want to an extent now, which is great. What do you do? What's um, the exercise? What do you do? It's it's hit classes, but mixed routine resistance and um, cardio each every day's separate. This sorry, this isn't meant to be pro- an advert, but it, it is brilliant, and I love it, and I swear by it. So it is a cult. Um, and, then, and you get five percent um, for every new uh, sign up. Yeah, sh- yeah. Shout out to Barry who runs the studio. Um, and um, uh, he is great there. Um, and my my biggest thing is my hairline. I think I've gone through a lot of different. Uh, phases with it. I've only really, I think I would pretend I came to terms with it a couple of years ago, but I've only really come to terms with it about sort of six months ago. I was pre-COVID, I was going to get a hair transplant and, you know, everyone was trying to sell me one. I wasn't going to go abroad because I wanted the aftercare. I think that's really important advice actually having gone through the experience of almost getting one. Um, And then I ended up with one surgeon who said he wouldn't give me one uh, hair transplant because he said I'd he wasn't sure if I'd, you know, one, done all the alternative treatments first, i.e. taken some uh, medication and used Regain and so on. Um, and so then after a few years, I went back about six months ago to see him again, to see if he would give me one. And he said he would do one now, but then sort of reinforced the fact that it's not completely permanent. It's not going to be comfortable. It takes a year to fully heal and to grow back. And the more I thought about it, I just thought, I'm on this medication now. It's keeping my hair where it sort of is to an extent. I'm sure it will go eventually. Mm. But really, I think if I hadn't started a few years ago, I think I'd probably be pretty much bald now um, or closer to it. And so do I really want to go through that sort of level of surgery to, to you know, keep something that's not really necessarily going to last very long and be very uncomfortable? And the answer is no. So I'm much more confident with that now. So at the moment, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy, you know. I would change things if I could in that sense, but I wouldn't change anything else, really. I'm, no, I'm happy. It's really interesting, Sam, and, and actually, you know, that that subject hasn't really come up on the, the podcast really? before. No, and and but I, you know, I really appreciate your your honesty about it. But it sounds like you've almost come to 
you know, without sounding trite about it, but that sort of acceptance point, that... Mm, 100%. That's when you can say, okay, well, yeah, you you explored the options, but I suppose you, yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of weigh it up and say, well, yeah, I've, I'm... Would it make me a better me, a happier me? I, you know, and there's the, the inconvenience and the pain and all those things. So I suppose, yeah, yeah you, 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 by going through that, that that conversation with yourself, I guess you it sounds like you've arrived at a place where you're, you know, you're more, yeah, more accepting and being sort of kinder to yourself about it. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. It's interesting. It hasn't come up though, because I mean, for men, it's such a thing. I mean, hair loss is like the biggest thing we go through, and so many men are quiet about it. I mean, I'd happily speak to anyone about the journey I've been on because it was really reassuring and awakening. And I mean, the fact that obviously it's all private, you know, healthcare, you have to pay for a hair transplant. People are just trying to sell it to you. So I already know a couple of people who had one, you know, two, three years ago, as recently as that, spent a fortune on it. And it's not worked. And are now shaving their heads. Really? And it's, you know, and it's, I think that's even worse in many ways because you've gone through that trauma and now you've ended up not even with the result you want. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad that I didn't do that. I think they do work. And I think for some people, they can be great. But I think we've just got to realize that they're not a solution yet. You know, we're not there yet with hair loss. I'm sure we will get there eventually. Kudos to that that initial um, surgeon that you God, saw. Who, yes. who, you know, like you say, had the opportunity to take a bunch of money off you, but Anthony said, are you, you know, are you sure you've explored the the alternatives, which is you know, maybe I'm maybe yeah, doing I mean, a he, disservice, he was but that's brilliant. good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was a guy at a clinic called Fajo. I'll say it loudly because I actually, I couldn't recommend that enough because I went to four other clinics before and I was about to put a deposit down on one. And then something told me to go get one more, mm. you know, consultation. And this, I hope it doesn't get him in trouble for saying this. Um, I think they do a lot of people's hair transplants, so I'm sure it's not going to. But, you know, that was such important advice. But yeah, that's... that's and it sounds like, the, I mean, you'd imagine, you'd hope that that's the sort of ethical way to approach it anyway, isn't it? To sort of make sure, you know, whenever anyone's making big changes like that in, in their appearance, you'd want to have hope that, that you've had the opportunity to, you know, think it through and explore other things. 100%. That seems like the, you know, the right thing to do. And and Josh, how how about you? What's your relationship with your appearance? And, and you know, has it changed over time? Definitely, I'm uh, I'm a little bit older than Sam, and uh, <laughs> um, I'm lots older. <laughs> in the last in the last few years, has been the first time that I've like noticed like real changes in in my in my body and in the way I look. And like as I get older, I've been one of these people that in my twenties I've, I've been quite lucky. I've I've always been very slight, and mm. I, I've spent pretty much all of my life up until two three years ago being able to eat and drink whatever I want as much as I want and never wow. put on, never really That's put terrible. on any weight or see any change, which is, I'm not, you know, unaware. You're that guy. I, yeah, I'm not, um, I am aware <laughs> of how, how lucky I have been to have that. Um, yeah. But now actually, you know, I can, I, the effects are really, now that I'm getting older, the effects are really starting to set in. So, you know, if I'm working out and, and doing exercise a lot, more than I used to. I, I basically do. You go to the same class as Josh. <laughs> he got you. He's in still trying to sell me, but I haven't yet. Um, <laughs> but maybe I will. But uh, yes, yeah, so I'm doing that a lot more. Whereas I never, it, it really, honestly, I never really felt the need when in my twenties, and and now in my, in my early thirties, I I've, I feel the need now. Um, but also just like sign general signs of of aging. Um, you know, the changes in my face and grey hairs, and just the generally mm. just 
little subtle changes that prob- I, I, maybe some people don't notice, maybe they do. So I'm like now, yeah, just a bit more, I'm, I'm very aware of taking care of myself now. I feel like in the past three years, I've suddenly gone into a zone where, yeah, I'm, I'm exercising more. I watch what I eat more. I'm a lot more conscious of what goes in my body and, you know, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. That well, sounds like you're, you know, in a, in a really good place. I don't feel, uh, you know, in any way, in any way bad about that. I think I'm probably uh, overdue, a, a, you know, solid health kicks and stuff. So it's, a, it's about time, really, I, I really started taking my care of myself properly. So that's what I've started to do. But I'm also very, I'm, I'm very open to the idea of looking a bit older. I've always been the guy with a baby face, you know, that I feel like every age that I've ever been at, and I feel like every age that I will ever be, somebody will go, oh, you're so young. It's been one of those like bugbears for me almost where, you know. And how do you feel about that? Is that annoying? It, yeah, I think people see it as like, oh, God, you look so young as a compliment. And then after a while, you're like, oh, it's, I know it sounds awful to say it like that, but because I do have a bit of like a childish feminine face <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know no, i know what you mean but you, it's just how you yeah you i guess like you say you, giving people the credit you think well maybe they're trying to be you know complimentary but they it's, are it's how you receive it isn't it i suppose it doesn't and after lots of times maybe it's annoying people people are always always trying to be nice and you know don't get me wrong maybe i will i'll kick myself for saying something like that in in the years to come but i'm 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 kind of enjoying starting to look a bit older. I'm, I, I think I look my age now, so I'm, uh, mm. uh, and I'm, I'm quite grateful for that. In a weird way, that's good. <laughs> Josh, what, what are the things that make you happy? I mean, it could, it could be a sort of a trivial thing or, a, or a big thing, but what's, what's happiness to you? I'm very much a family and friends man. I uh, got married last year, and I have a bit. A, boy who's one and a half years old fantastic and they are my my absolute you know my absolute world and I'm very lucky to have a a family that I love spending time with and friends that I love spending time with so that is that's real number one for me it's it's simple but I'm very happy like that I just love being free to spend time with them and you know have a have a nice time and be surrounded by people that I love and respect And, and outside of um your work and, and fragrance and I know you're a, a musician and a music lover I presume that's a, a big passion and a, a thing that brings you joy as well it does it absolutely does it's also my biggest tormentor because you know I, right. I have I have adored it since I was 11 years old and um, I think up until probably five years ago well maybe maybe even less time ago I, I think that's all I, I wanted to be living and breathing it and not mm. doing not doing anything else, and that's been a bit of an adjustment for me. Kind of realizing that in order to have the kind of career that I think I want in the music world, it entails being away from the people that I love um, a lot. Because I play rock music, and the main way to make money off of rock music and make a living is by touring. Tour around, yeah. So yeah, and and I did a lot of that, and I have done a lot of that, and I've loved every second of it. But now, especially now that I have a baby boy. Do I want to spend the rest of my life living in a tour van? Mm, don't I don't think so. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I, it is part of my blood music. It's I'm never going to get rid of it. I think about it every day. I write music every day. Um, so even if it's only for 20 minutes or so, 
I don't think I'm ever going to give it up. But I'm at a, a, a strange stage in my life where I'm kind of realigning my relationship with it. And I'm not quite sure what the outcome will be. But in, at the same time, I'm not sure I'll ever know. <laughs> mm. I'm, not sh- I'm not sure I'll ever be fully happy with my relationship with it. Um, which is, yeah, what I mean about it being my my greatest tormentor. But how great to always, you know, to have that talent and have that outlet for your, you know, another outlet for your creative endeavours and to be able to sing and, you know, like you say, whatever form it takes, it's a it's a real gift though, isn't it? It's a, you know, having a having a passion like that. It totally is. It, it totally is. I, I think those kinds of passions are wonderful to have, but they're, they're also very hard earned. Like, I don't know anybody that you know because I know you have a background in music as well I don't know that yeah. any, anybody that was involved in music hasn't really devoted themselves to it at some point you know there's many everybody in the, in the in that industry or doing those kinds of things even if they just play an instrument will have had to make some sacrifices to get to that point yeah but once you uh once you have it it is it is wonderful you know to be able to kick back and play an instrument um every now and then yeah and and Sam how about you what's what are the things that bring you joy and happiness I suppose similar to Josh in some ways. I think Friends is definitely at the top of it, um, you know, along with chocolate and things like that. <laughs> but on the less trivial side, I think Friends... What's your chocolate of choice, though? What would you... What would oh, you... any, Hayden. Seriously, not fussy. Just just unwrap it and give it to me. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> if, if, if we had to narrow it down, are we, to- you know, are we talking sort of fancy premium, you know, oh, actually, high percentage dark chocolate or sort of you know, like something dirty from the garage or or what, or any of it? As, if I had to sort of choose two, I mean, there's quite a lot of sort of basic sort of, you know, Maltesery, Cadbury's things that honestly would keep me really happy. But then also Paul A. Young, do you know him? Oh, no. It's like, he's like the real Willy Wonka. Oh, right. He's, uh, I think he's only got one shop in Angel now, but honestly, like they are just the best. I think that sort of feeds into another thing that sort of makes me happy because I love, I love you know, food and I love cooking, but it's really about doing those things with my friends and experiencing those things that I love with other people who also love them. And also being able to sort of, you know, cook for friends or something and them getting the same sort of passion or seeing them, seeing friends happy as well. I mean, you know, especially if it's ever something mutual, it's just makes me very happy. I mean, I've been to too many weddings this year. It's that sort of, I'm at that sort of age now. Um, But it's it's been really interesting to see how emotional I've got. I'm not a particularly emotional person, at least I didn't think I was, until I start going to these weddings. I mean, I went to Josh's, he was blubbing like a baby, <laughs> but that was last year. I am the opposite. I'm emotional about everything. But even I was, cry- even I, I was cry set off at you there. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's not me. And I'm finding I'm crying at a lot of weddings. Um, who knew? So seeing people happy is obviously a big one for me as well. So yeah, yeah I think that's interesting. My- you said about you know, being sociable and, and food, and I guess there's, you know, you're both obviously sensory kind of people. So it's interesting that, you know, there's so many people that I talk to who have a love of, you know, fragrance or skincare and those things. And, and it, it often goes hand in hand with enjoying good food, doesn't it? Or wine or things like that. Yeah, people, I really want to get more people. into wine. I want to know more about wine so I can be more, but cocktails... I think I've sort of been able to teach myself more because they're a bit more black and white, aren't they? A bit more like a perfume. You can layer them yeah. with different flavors yeah. or different smell. And so I found that sort of easier. So I'm, you know, making friends cocktails is sort of up there as well. They, yeah. A good cocktail is something better. It's funny, isn't it? Wine. I, yeah, I guess, you know, we've talked about some of our passions today, but you know, it was even, 
I still at, at nearly 50, you know, I went out with some work colleagues yesterday and it was a sort of wine bar place. And it's still something that makes me just a bit, I just feel a bit inadequate and uneasy. And I don't, <laughs> I'm not, an, you know, I'm not an expert in any way. And I just all let other people choose. And I'm sort of, I don't feel like, and I can enjoy it, but I don't feel like I know enough about what makes good or bad. And um, I don't know. We've a, we, we both love a wine, don't get me wrong, but we've done perfume events in the past that have almost a bit like tasting style. And we've yeah. often said to people that this is going to be like a wine tasting, but where you actually can can ta- uh, smell <laughs> what the difference is that we're describing yeah. to you. It's true. <laughs> maybe, and yeah, maybe people say that about, you know, about perfumes and things as well. And maybe, you know, differences that we might um, pick up and then the people don't always get. But yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that about wine. And, you know, is that that thing of, you know, if you, if you did your feel kind of, you know, blind testing of, of wine, I guess you'd have to be, you know, you, if you, if people really knew their stuff, they could probably pick out the good stuff, but it must be another, it's a whole other thing where you're, you're also influenced by the price and the, the label and what mm. someone else tells you. It's uh, yeah, it's a whole other world, isn't it? I suppose. I think being able to really tell the differences, like genuinely tell the differences between wines and what's good and what's bad is a, is a real skill like I kind of I tip my hat to anybody that can do it we should get a, a group of us fragrance fans together and go on a on a short course see if we can manage yeah yeah, yeah. but again all, all that stuff about um you know landscape and where, where they grow the vines and all that stuff it's all very tied in you know that you have to know a lot about raw materials and where things are grown and it, there's a lot of a lot of commonalities isn't there with all that stuff I suppose I'd be, I think it'd be fascinating mm. maybe yeah I should do that now get, get more into get more into wine <laughs> <laughs> well look thank you so much um, to both of you it's been so great and I think I think we've coped okay with um, having two guests I think it's worked well <laughs> and, but I really it's so been so great to find out more about Fiol and I'll say I'll add some information to the show notes and um, tell people where they can find you online and on the socials but um really appreciate your time thank you so much for joining me on man in the mirror and i'll see you both very soon thank you so much thanks for having us hey we'll see you soon bye sam bye josh bye bye massive thanks to sam and josh there from feel um i don't know what happens i think whenever i start recording this podcast there's generally some building work that happens and uh, yeah i hope that didn't disturb too much there's some building going on a couple of doors down but I record this at home, so what are you going to do? Um, you can find out more about Feel at um, feel.co.uk. Now, it might be spelt differently to how it sounds. It's F-I-O-L-E. That's feel.co.uk. That's F-I-O-L-E. And on Instagram at feel.uk. That's F-I-O-L-E-U-K. Feel.uk. Yeah, really interesting platform. I think they're, they're doing some really innovative stuff. And yeah, it takes some of the you know, take some of the prejudices out of, of fragrance shopping and, and just you use your intuition and um, it, it delivers these these samples and then you can choose one, which I think is you know, it's a really interesting way, but it's built on, you know, their expertise from, from real life and from working in store. So um, do check them out. Speaking of socials, you can find Man in the Mirror at Man in the Mirror Pod on Instagram. So thank you for joining me this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Sam and Josh, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next time on Man in the Mirror. Take care.